Well, why don't you open your Bible to Luke chapter 1. And uh, for about the last month, month and a half, I have just been hooked on uh, examining the, the, the life and the, what the scripture says about John the Baptist. And uh, uh, as I uh, studied it, and I just thought I was studying it for my own blessing and my own encouragement. But uh, as I got into it deeper and as uh, t- time drew closer to uh, 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 th- this time we're in now, I just felt that it was uh, something to, to not just enjoy for myself, but it was something that needed to be shared with the rest of the congregation. So we're going to go ahead and dig into lessons from John the Baptist. And we're going to start with Luke chapter 1. And I want to read just one verse, the last verse of the chapter, which is verse 80. And I want to just give you a little background of who's speaking here. John's father, Zacharias, is prophesying here in verse 80. This is, uh, well, well, up until verse 80. He was prophesying about Jesus, the Messiah, and about his son, who was the the forerunner, the one who would prepare the way for the Messiah. And then as he gets to the, uh, the, the, the uh, end of his prophecy, the, the scripture makes this statement in verse 80 that I want to read to you this morning. And, uh, uh, and, and this is going to be our launching point as we gather uh, information that is not just historical information or well now I got a nice little Bible lesson but things about this man's life that are absolutely positively applicable to you and I where we're at right now in 2013 can I hear somebody say amen Amen. Uh, verse 80 says and the child grew and became strong in spirit And was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation unto Israel. Now, um, one of the first things I want to share with you about this man of God, John the Baptist. uh, That's, of course, the the reading of the the King James Bible. Uh, Actually, no, we read the New King James. I want to read the King James to you. Uh, it's uh, similar, but uh, just one little different word in there. It says, and the child grew and waxed strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his showing unto Israel. His showing unto Israel. And so I want to just go ahead and hit the ground running and, and see what kind of things can we gather From this man of God's life that are applicable to us today. And there's a whole lot. And the first thing I want you to see in this verse, uh, verse 80 is the the premise for it. Is that the growing comes before the showing. Can you say that with me? The growing comes before the showing. This verse says that the child grew. And he became strong in spirit and he was in the deserts 
until the day of his manifestation, or as the King James Bible says, until the day of his showing unto Israel. Now, how important is that? That's very important because we have a tendency to think we're ready for stuff before we're ready for it. Ha ha ha, here we go. We're hitting the ground running right away. You see, uh, uh, our tendency is to uh, always look to speed up a process. And, uh, you, you know, we don't like crockpot experiences in life. We don't like slow cooking. We like it done fast. So we're very quick to say, ta-da, it's showtime. But at the moment that we want to say, it's showtime, I heard a voice from heaven say, wait a minute, it's still grow time. And uh, that, that's one huge lesson that, that we need to see here right in the beginning as we're examining the life of John the Baptist, is that he was in grow time until showtime. And you can't rush that. You can't speed it up. You just got to let it happen. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. It talks about John being in the desert. Uh, it caused me to think of Moses. Who um, one day was uh, checking out his brethren, the children of Israel. And saw an Egyptian mistreating one of his brothers. One of his fellow countrymen, shall we say. And uh, looked this way, looked that way. Didn't think anybody was looking. And killed that Egyptian who was messing with the Israelite. But then the next day or within the next few days, he found out that he was found out. And that it wasn't a secret. People knew that he killed that guy. And then besides that, Pharaoh had a hit out on him. So he ran. And it's interesting because was Moses the deliverer? Absolutely he was. But it wasn't showtime yet. There's a big difference between when you try to take matters into your own hands and cause something to come to pass. As opposed to God's timing and God's purpose and God's process being fulfilled. And then how smooth it happens when it's his time. And when it's your time and you're just trying to force something to happen. It's like putting a square peg in a round hole. Well, well, well. But then this very Moses, as he fled from Egypt, ended up. Uh, in the household of one named uh, Jethro, who was uh, uh, a Midianite. He was the priest of Midian. And he ended up marrying Jethro's daughter. And the scripture says in Exodus 2, Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. So, so the, the person who had the hit out on him eventually died. In the process of time. But I, I love that wording there. Now it happened in the process of time. Boy, yeah, we all are so thrilled and excited about that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we we know you y'all. Whether you like Burger King or not, you like Burger King's slogan. You you want it your way and you want it right away, you know. But uh, uh, it's interesting that Moses actually ended up in the same place where John spent time in the desert. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that Moses, who was a shepherd, led his flock to the backside of the desert. And what happened? He came across a bush one day that looked like it was on fire, but it wasn't burning up. And out of that bush, God spoke to Moses. So you see, showtime is not always when you think it is. When you think it's showtime, a lot of times it's still growth time. There's still growth and and preparation that needs to take place. But eventually that thermometer in the turkey, you know what I'm talking about? Eventually it pops. And uh, the time came where the, the word of the Lord came to Moses. And that's when you know it's showtime. When the word of the Lord comes. That's what happened to John. You're in Luke 1, go to Luke 3. Luke chapter 3. So John grew, he became strong in spirit and was out in the desert until the time of a showing to Israel. Well, how did he know when it was showtime? Luke chapter 3. We see what happened to Moses is that Moses was out in the desert, but when was it showtime for him? When God spoke. When the word of the Lord came to him. Luke chapter 3. Look at verse 1. It says, Now in the 15th year, of the reign of Tiberius Caesar. Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea. Herod being Tetrarch of Galilee. His brother Philip, Tetrarch of Ituria and the region of Trachonitis. And Lysanias, Tetrarch of Abilene. So Lysanias must have been a Texan. Verse 2. <laughs> While uh, Annas and Caiaphas were high priests, The word of God came to John, the son of Zacharias, in the wilderness, and he went into all the region round the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. So let me ask you a question. When was showtime? Showtime is when the word of God came to John. One was showtime from Moses. It was when the word of the Lord came to him. Now, why don't you go to Acts chapter 13? See, when the word of God comes, what that is, that's the time where you are being commissioned. That's the time where you are being sent. You understand that? 
the word of God came to, to Moses and said, it's time and you the man I'm sending. The word of God came to John in what we just read in Luke chapter 3. So he knew that he was moving over, transitioning from grow time to show time. Now the growing never stops. We understand that. But, but, it, but it's, the, it's the sense that there's a, a transition taking place between preparation and the actual doing what you've been preparing for. All right. Now, let me just uh, quote this for you. You can write it down. But John chapter one, verse six, it's real simple. It says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Interesting. That sending is when the word of the Lord came to him. The word of the Lord came to him was the green light. It means now's the time. Now's the time to go and do what you've been preparing for. Are you in Acts 13? I want you to see this for yourself. Um, let's look at verse 2 and verse 3. First of all, a little background. There's uh, uh, five people there um, that are gathered together for a prayer meeting. I list them by name in verse 1. And then verse 2. Let's take it from there. So five guys in a prayer meeting. You got it? And then not just the you know, guys off the street praying together. These were ministers. This was a minister's prayer meeting. These were, it was a group of prophets and teachers. Verse 2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Now, you see both the, the, the point where the word came and the sending. The, the word came, and therefore, because the word came, they were then being sent. Paul and Barnabas were already called. Because the, the Bible says here what the Holy Ghost said is to separate them to the work to which I have called them. They already had a call. John, when he was in the desert, had a call. Moses, when he was in the desert, had a call. But now it was showtime. Now it was that transition between grow time into show time because now the word of the Lord came and now the sending was taking place. So Barnabas and Saul, who we better know as Paul the Apostle, were already called. But what the Holy Spirit, he says, now separate to me. The first word is now. Yesterday wasn't the case. A week ago, it wasn't the case. But now, 
that transition has taken place. Now the growth and the preparation that God deemed necessary has taken place. And now you're not just one who is called to do something at some point in time, who's preparing for that point in time. But now you're the person who's not just called, but separated to the calling, given the word of the Lord and being sent to go and do what you've been called to do. But we see here in Acts 13 that there is a difference between the time of your calling and the time of your separation to your calling. Somebody say, hmm. All right. So that's lesson number one that we're going to see from the life of John the Baptist today. That the growing comes before the showing. Now, lesson two, why don't you go back to uh, Luke 3. Go back to Luke 3. And the second thing we need to learn today from John the Baptist is this. Know who you are and know who you are not. Know who you are and know who you are not. Hallelujah. Are you back in Luke 3? Yeah, we're digging in today. Uh, Look at verse 15. Now as the people were in expectation and all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not. John answered saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water. But one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Go over to John 1. So we see there in Luke 3, the the people are thinking, you know, this guy's, Pretty fiery and pretty anointed. Might he be the one we've been waiting for? Might he be the Christ? But John was very quick to let people know that the Christ that they were expecting was one who was still to come at that point in time. John chapter 1. Start with verse 6. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. What are we talking about here? We're talking about know who you are and know who you're not. He was not that light but was sent to bear witness of that light. You're right there in John 1. Head on down to verse uh, 19. Verse 19 of John 1 says this. Now this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? 
he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you that prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? That we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord as the prophet Isaiah said. The great thing about John is we look at this example here. He knew who he was and he knew who he wasn't. Now, you know, an interesting thing happened at the end of the ministry of Jesus as uh, Jesus was in a conversation with Peter one day looking to make a point to him. And then ultimately gave Peter some uh, uh, insight into the, the future of his life. Jesus actually spoke prophetically about ultimately how Peter was going to die. The scripture says, that this is over in John 21, just so you know, uh, between verse 18 and 22. So uh, the, the scripture actually says that he signified, Jesus signified by what he spoke, uh, by what death Peter would ultimately glorify God. And then after he had spoken those words, he said, follow me. Pastor John has very eloquently ministered along those lines. So we know the value of that simple two word phrase, follow me. Um, interesting thing, though, is that Peter, right after being told, follow me, starts looking around and finds another disciple which we believe to be the, the disciple John because John never identified himself by name in his own gospel. He just used the terminology, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And uh, so Peter looks around and points over to John and said, Lord, what about this guy? And what does Jesus say? <laughs> He says, if I want him to hang around till I come back again, what business is that of yours? You follow me. Now, why, why bring that up? Very simple, because when you know who you are and you know who you're not, then you're not all that concerned about what somebody else is called to do. <laughs> You're not all that worried and concerned about somebody else and what they're doing and, uh, and what their assignment is. Because your number one goal is to do your own. Amen. To do your own. Because when you stand before God, you're not giving account for anybody else's job. You're giving an account whether you did yours or not. It's part of knowing who you are. And knowing who you're not. An interesting thing. Being in church for a long time. And having the joy of being in the ministry since uh, 1990. You get to watch a lot of people and uh, observe patterns. And it's a very 
reoccurring, uh, a very common reoccurring pattern in church where you have some people who think they're called to do something that other people with the Holy Ghost and with wisdom and discretion know they certainly ain't called to do that. Either they're not called to do that or they're nowhere near ready to do it. One of the two. But but you know, it's just part of uh, going back to our first thought is people that think they're ready for showtime when they are desperately in need of some grow time. And very commonly, those people will try to push themselves on you. And that's what I call doing the reverse of what the book of Proverbs says, where the book of Proverbs says a man's gift will make room for him. Well, these people, rather than letting their gift make room for them, what they're trying to do is be pushy so that they're trying to make room for their gift. That's the word in reverse. I don't want to do the word in reverse now. I don't want to be pushing around trying to make room for the gift. Because I believe that if I got something, other people with the Holy Ghost and wisdom are going to realize that I got something. And if I don't got that, then other people with the Holy Ghost and wisdom are going to realize that I don't got that. Is that getting to anybody today? So I I tell you, it's something so important for us to not be concerned with other people's business and what other people are doing. That's not your job anyhow. Nobody else can do your job. And you can't do anybody else's job. I want you to know that you're anointed and equipped to do what God's called you to do. There's a purpose for your life. God has put you on planet earth with a reason, with a very specific intention. And it's our job to hang out with him, the manufacturer, to find out what he had in mind when he manufactured us. And then it is our responsibility before him to be the ones to do that and to carry that out. And not to be the ones who are always looking at what somebody else is doing and trying to be somebody else or being envious of what somebody else is doing or even intruding into the call of another. Why don't you go to Second Chronicles 26? Well, well. Second Chronicles 26. I want to read something about King Uzziah. You know what? Don't, don't be envious about what somebody else is called to do. Do what you're called to do. You know, there, there, there's kind of a funny line in the, the parable of the, the ten virgins that Jesus told. The five wise virgins and the five, five foolish virgins. Uh, the, the wise ones got their oil in advance. The foolish ones didn't. So what the wise virgins said, because the, the foolish virgins, when it was time to get up and go, and they realized they didn't have enough oil for their lamps, they said to the wise ones, give us some of yours. And you know how the wise ones answered? They said, go and buy for yourself. 
Look at somebody and say, get your own oil. Get your own anointing. Get your own gift. Get your own. God's got one for you. Don't be messing with somebody else's. Trying to piggyback on someone else's gift or calling or anointing. Mm. Don't get me started now. All right. <laughs> you are too much fun, I'll tell you. Second Chronicles 26. Are you there? Let's look. This is King Uzziah that, that this is talking about. Let's start reading with verse 16. It says, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So Azariah the priest went in after him. And with him were 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priest, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall have no honor from the Lord God. So here's a king trying to push his way in and do what only priests were consecrated and anointed to do. Somebody say, know who you are and know who you're not. And man, I tell you, when you intrude into turf that is not yours, you can get in serious trouble with the Lord. So be warned. You say, well, I don't know what, what, what they're called to do and what they're gifted to do seems so, so exciting. And mine don't seem so exciting. Well, first of all, let me say this to you. If your calling and your gifting is not exciting you yet, you may not have totally discovered it yet. Because <laughs> I believe when a person really gets a hold of what they're called to do, they are just cranked about it. But then besides that, you know, you, you just got to go ahead and uh, say, I, I'm willing to do anything the Lord wants me to do. I mean, when I first went into the ministry, you know what I did? The, the, the first church that I've that I worked for, they had a plexiglass pulpit just like this one. And I had Windex in one hand and paper towel in the other. And we had a polished pulpit. And one day I felt the Holy Ghost speak to me. Uh, it was just very real and really impacted me. And, 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 uh, and it was these words that, that you polish a pulpit before you preach from one. Now, now the question to ask yourself, and, and you know, I mean, the, that's revolving around the ministry. Not everybody's called to do the same thing, and uh, and, and I understand that. But but uh, what what should you be polishing right now? 
That preparation time is never wasted time. That preparation time is so important and will determine the quality of what comes out in your latter end. Amen. Hallelujah. Number three lesson from John the Baptist. Be content to be in a supportive role. Be content to be in a supportive role. All right, now I just lost some people. There's some people that just have to be the top dog. I know we lost some people because, you know, there are those people that say, uh, uh, you know what, you know, if you went to school and we get on one of the little boxes that say works well with others, you, you fail that every time. Because you only work well with others if, if everybody's listening to you and you're telling everybody else what to do. But but if you're a role player or uh, have a supportive role and not the top dog role, oh, I can't do that. Well, guess what? Old dog going to have to learn some new tricks. Be content to be in a supportive role. Let's see. Why don't you go back to John 1? We're going to read a few verses here out of John. But uh, l- l- let me uh, read this to you. Uh, just a reference you can write down in Acts chapter 19 verse 4. It says, Paul said that John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance. Saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. Now think about John the Baptist. And what his job was. His job had absolutely nothing to do with him. It wasn't about him. His job was totally all about the one who was coming. And if not for the one who was coming, he wouldn't have a job. What he was sent to do was totally, completely revolved around the one who was coming. Well, let me fill us all in on something today. Whatever it is that you're called and anointed and gifted by God to do. Your your gift and your calling and your job is all revolved around somebody who came and is coming again. It is not all about you. It is all about him. You may even think, well, I'm the top dog, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm on top, you know, ain't, ain't nobody telling me what to do anymore. I get to tell everybody else what to do. Well, guess what? You ain't the head of the church. You're not the head of the body. He is. Everybody, no matter what position you're in, whether you're the boss or whether you're the first person. Uh, you know, the, the, the last person on the bottom of the list, however you look at yourself, I want you to know that you are playing a supportive role. You're a role player in the body of Christ because it's not about you and about tickling you and about tickling your little fancy. It's about him. John knew that it wasn't about him. He knew that it was all about 
the one who is coming after him. But, well, you must have found John by now. Go to John 1. Uh, let's look at verse 30 in John chapter 1. These are the words of John the Baptist. It says, this is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. <laughs> he said, I did not know him. Uh, the New Living Translation actually brings out, I did not know him as the Messiah. And let's keep on reading. But that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. Look at that last phrase. But that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. In other words, the only reason why I'm doing this to begin with is that he, the one to come, might be made manifest to Israel. Not so that I could be made manifest to Israel and be big, flashy prophet with my camel hair and my bugs for breakfast. But that he should be revealed to Israel. Where do you live? Do you say that your purpose for living there? Here's someone who lives in Cranston. Joe, I'm going to pick on you. Come on, man. Are you living there with a mission that he should be revealed to Cranston? Or that everybody in Cranston should know who you are? Wherever you live. Who's it about? It has to be about Jesus. It has to be about him being revealed. Now, you're in John. Go to John 3. This is fascinating. See, I picked on you, but it wasn't that bad. It could have been worse. (laughs) All right. John 3. Man, this is good. Take a look at this. Verse 27. Oh, yeah. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. Now listen to this. He who has the bride, or you might say he who gets the bride, is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom Who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. Now, check this out. John identified himself as being the friend of the bridegroom. And that being the friend of the bridegroom and standing and hearing him uh, and rejoicing because of his voice, that that caused his joy to be fulfilled. I want you to know that John's joy was fulfilled by getting to be the best man of Jesus. Now, he didn't say, well, I'm always the best man and I'm never a groom. (laughs) No, he took joy. He said his joy was fulfilled to get to be Jesus's best man. Interesting.
My goodness. Are you content to be in a supportive role? Think about who you're supporting. (laughs) Think about who's starring in your movie. You want Jesus starring in your movie. My, my, my. Let's go on. We're going to hit a few things before we're done today. And we're going to pick up on some more next week. Number four, lesson from John the Baptist. Know when your time comes to an end. Hold your Bible right where you're at. Hold a finger in John 3, but go to Acts 13. Know when your time comes to an end. Now let me say this. That in relation to John the Baptist... His mission was done, and when his mission was done, he didn't stay on earth much longer because the mission was done. But you can take that in one sense that that, uh, that, that, uh, about the ultimate mission being done, the ultimate thing that God has called you to do with your life. But I want to look at it from another standpoint as well. The idea of uh, certain chapters in your life. To know when a chapter is done, to, to know when there's a, a transition taking place, to, to, to know when one phase is coming to an end and another is beginning. That's something that we need to have some sensitivity to. Are you with me? Yes. So, yeah, I mean, that applies to the ultimate mission and the ultimate reason why God's put us on this planet. But it also has to do with the phases and the chapters along the way. But, but look at this, Acts chapter 13, verse 23 to 25. It says that uh, uh, Paul is speaking. Uh, he's talking about David uh, at this point. And he said, from this man's seed, David's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel's Savior, Jesus. After John had first preached before his coming, the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, who do you think I am? I am not he, but behold, there comes one after me, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to loose. But notice that first phrase in the very beginning of uh, verse 25, as John was finishing his course. Know when your time comes to an end. And look at John's attitude when he recognized that. Go back to chapter 3 of John, where I told you to keep your finger at. And look at verse 30, which we just read a few minutes ago, but now we're going to see it in a whole new light. Look at what John's attitude is when he realized that it was time no longer for his showtime, but for Jesus' showtime. He said, he must increase, verse 30 of John 3, but I must decrease. As you're going through chapters and phases in life, it is so important to have sensitivity to the spirit of God to know how to phase out and to phase in. Mm. I know that is for somebody today. 
Know when your time comes to an end. Know how to phase out. You know, uh, Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole, uh, who was a, a great minister to men for, for a lot of years and uh, uh, was the, uh, uh, the head of a ministry called the Christ- Christian Men's Network up until the time that he went home to be with the Lord, would talk about the principle of entering and leaving and how important it is that you leave something the right way so that you could enter something the right way. It's important how you phase out so you can phase in properly. So do not underestimate the importance of knowing when your time comes to an end and handling that time in the proper fashion that is so important. Absolutely pivotal. And finally, the last thing I want to hit today, and we'll spend a few minutes on this before we close. Lesson number five from the life of John the Baptist. Recognize who Jesus is and speak the truth concerning him. It's all about him anyhow. You realize that your mission and your job is not about you. (laughs) It's all about him. John pointed to the one who was to come. You're pointing to the one who's already come and is coming back a second time and coming back a second time very soon, I must say. But recognize who Jesus is and speak the truth concerning him. You know, it's interesting. The, the Gospel of Luke in the first chapter gives a little background. I mean, it gives the background of the angel Gabriel showing up. To announce to Zacharias, John's father, uh, that, that John was going to be born. Zacharias got to uh, talking in a way that the, the, the angel did not like. And you know, God, God's smart. He, he don't want anybody by their words trying to foul up his plan. So he just shut the guy's mouth for a few months. <laughs> Just buttoned him up so Zacharias, mm, 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 mm. and Lord said, well, now that I got you where you can't say anything, you can't mess up the plan with your words. <laughs> but, you know, uh, Luke 1 just gives the, 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 the progress of uh, um, the, the, the birth of John the Baptist and the birth of Jesus. But an interesting thing, as a pregnant Mary goes to visit Elizabeth, who was the mother of John the Baptist. And and she shows up and starts talking. And what does Elizabeth say? As soon as I heard the sound of your voice, the babe in my belly leapt for joy. And I got a question for you today. Do you jump when you recognize you're in his presence? How do you react? What is your reaction when you realize I am in his presence? Do you recognize him? Because John, of whom it was said 
that he'd be filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. As a baby in the womb had enough spiritual sensitivity to recognize when he was in the presence of Jesus. John recognized them. Let's see. You're in John now. Go to John 1. Let's take a look at something here. <laughs> I just love that line. Do you jump when you recognize that you're in his presence? Do you realize when you're in his presence? Are you sensitive to him? John 1. And uh, what I want to show you here. Is the words of, uh, of John. When, when he absolutely positively recognized Jesus. As who he really was. And recognized that Jesus was indeed the Messiah, the son of the living God. Look at verse 32. It says, and John bore witness saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the son of God. You and I need to recognize Jesus. Recognize him as who he is. The son of the living God. And to speak about him that which is true. You write this reference down. John 10 verse 41 what happened? Jesus went over to Jordan and gathered, your know, people gathered together there, right over by the Jordan River at the same place where John used to baptize. And the people said, when John was around, he didn't perform any miracles. But one thing I'll say about John, everything he said about this man talking about Jesus was true. Everything he said about Jesus is true. So I say to you today, are you speaking the truth? About Jesus. And are you recognized? Have you recognized him? As who he really is. You're right there in John 1. Look at verse 29. It says. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him. And said behold. The Lamb of God. Who takes away the sin of the world. John recognized him and recognized him as who he really was. And it's interesting, by making that statement, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John declared three things. First of all, he declared that Jesus was the fulfillment of what the Passover sacrifice represented. He was the Lamb. Just like 1 Corinthians 5, 7 says, Christ, our Passover was sacrificed for us. By making that statement, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John also identified that Jesus was our substitute. He was the one 
who had no sin, who would carry sin upon himself and take it away. Sounds like 2 Corinthians 5.21. He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And then he said that this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John realized that Jesus was the Lamb who was doing this, not just for Israel, but he was doing it for the whole world. John recognized that Jesus was for everybody. Like Luke chapter 2 and verse 10, when the angel made the announcement uh, of Jesus' birth, the angel said that this was good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. And nobody's left out. Hallelujah. Jesus is for everybody. Jesus is God's gift to the world. From Angola to Mongolia and Liberia to Siberia, wherever you can go on planet Earth and find people, you will find people for whom Jesus died. And one more little nugget along this line, recognizing Jesus as who he really is. Here is the scene of the Jordan River and the one called the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world being baptized in that river. Interesting thought that the Jordan River is also the river that the Israelites crossed over to go into the promised land. And they were crossing over at a time where the banks were overflowing. So something supernatural happened in order to provide that way for them to get across the river. And and it said that the waters were up in a heap on one end and and kind of flowed out on the other end. And, And the area covered, the book of Joshua says, the area covered from the city of Adam to the salt sea, which we better know as the dead sea. From the city of Adam to the dead sea. Now, Think about this. That Lamb of God baptized in that river. Oh, my goodness. Think about the picture that is given. That the Israelites walked on dry ground and that the the, the riverbed was dry. Think about this. From the city of Adam to the Dead Sea. Because the Lamb who was also be baptized in that river took care of sin. All the way back to Adam. And cast our sins into the depths of the sea. Like the prophet Micah said. Now, I know God did not ordain the chapters and verses that that we use today. But an interesting note that just gets me so tickled. Is that the very verse in Joshua where you see this described as the waters being dried up from the city of Adam to the Dead Sea happens to be Joshua 3.16. Makes you want to dance here. (laughs) Man, I tell you, think about this. Do you recognize him? Do Do you know him? Do you recognize who he is and what he's about? I think of the the guys on the road to Emmaus 
one day. After Jesus had risen from the dead, but they did not recognize him. But what happened? Jesus showed up their house, broke bread with them. Like he did on the night when he said, take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. And then right at that moment, it said their eyes were open and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight. But they went and told the others everything that happened and all the conversation that took place along that road that walked to Emmaus. And he said that Jesus was known of them, recognized by them in the breaking of bread. Well, we're going to break some bread today. Recognize him as who he is. You need a savior today. He's your savior. Recognize him as that. Do you need a healer today? He's your healer. Recognize him as that. Do you need deliverance today? He's your deliverer. Recognize him as that.